0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your
1: service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but I have a quick question for Megan. Now, you live in Illinois, mm-hmm. so after the show, after you're off today, and the Poplar Street Bridge is closed, do you normally take the Poplar Street Bridge to go home? You know, since they built the Stan Musial
3: Bridge, I take it. Really? I very rarely take the Poplar Street Bridge anymore unless I absolutely
2: have to, Ah, especially
3: with all the construction.
2: And the Stan Musial Bridge, there's rarely any cars on oh, it, Oh, it it's fantastic, like, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, and it's a straight shot into downtown,
2: so yeah, I'll take the Stan Musial. Aha, mm-hmm. you're so smart. <laughs> thanks some days Mike. <laughs> some days yes and today you seem to be exceptionally smart <laughs> folks if you have any questions or concerns 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 thanks for having me on your show you can give a call we can talk about plant selection up and ups and downs and all arounds of your annuals of i'll tell you this year the annual that's most impressed me has been the celosia, the coxcomb, whether it's a crested coxcomb or the regular coxcomb. I mean, the, the people that are growing them have done a fantastic job. How about your bulbs, your cannas, your elephant ears, your caladiums, your summer type bulbs? And the garden centers are gonna start having the fall, you know, let's say fall planted bulbs for spring blooming. You can buy them now, just don't stick them in the ground until October. Your edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawn. Boy, there's been some major problems with lawns. Perennials, roses. Speaking of roses, I have four roses that I got at Stark Brothers a couple years ago. I've been growing them. One of them got rose rosette. I couldn't believe it. Rose rosette is a disease that's spread by spider mites. And, I mean, two of them are sitting pretty close together. So I'm really kind of (sighs) about the second one because it doesn't have any of the rose rosette yet. But I got rid of the other one that has it, and it's, you know, I've got really kind of depressed with that. So, and those spider mites are air, you know, they're blown in the air, so there's not too much you can do about it. All of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, I was looking at it and I thought, whoa. And then I knew it was spider mites, but then I started to see the growth and I knew it was rose rosette growth, which is purplish with thousands of, you know, thorns on the stem. So that's, I was depressed. How about your vines? The hyacinth bean vines I have are spectacular. I mean, the ones in the backyard are much better because they get more sun than the ones in the front yard. But uh, I'm still a little little disappointed that my moonflower vines, they have great foliage, but I have not seen one flower yet. But please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take but it's an option for you to consider. Again, Greg is producing, and uh, during the week I do something called a walk-and-talk, which is a landscape consultation. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk-and-talk where we evaluate aesthetically or problem-solving things going on in your yard, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On my homepage, there's an email address and a phone number, so you can contact me and we can set something up. Uh, Now, the special recognition, which is the tip of the trowel, is an uh, individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. This is a time of year when, you know, you may have had something that's been really, you've enjoyed a lot for quite a while, or something that's all of a sudden you just, let's say, recently re- discovered. I'll tell you the best way to learn about how to take care of some plants is to get associated with a plant society that's focused in that particular thing. Whether it's a bonsai society, whether it's a rose society, whether it's uh, just gardening, you know, basically. The Garden Society of Wildwood, the Gateway Rock Garden Society. Jesneriads. Don't know what a Jesneriad is? Well, it's the African Violet Gang of Plant Materials. Daffodil Society. So there's the dahlias. There's all kinds of plant societies. And I'll tell you, the people that have been associated with these groups... They know so much. They know the little tricks, the little subtleties that is going to make it a lot more rewarding and a lot easier for you. So any of the plant societies, and you can go to the uh, Botanical Garden website. They list all kinds of the plant societies there. Contact information. Usually it's the plant societies that meet at the Botanical Garden grounds. So what could be better than that? So all the people that are associated with plant societies, and they just love to share information, whether they're having a show or whatever it happens to be, or if you want to become a member and attend some of the meetings, that would be great. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, to the phones we go, and we're headed to Wildwood, Wildwood, and going into Kelly's yard. Hi, Kelly.
4: Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Well, my question is: We have a viburnium plant that we just planted last year, and I trimmed it back. So this year it's grown huge. I mean, it's huge. But we only got just a few blooms. And I'm driving around Malwood, coming up to our community garden. I'm seeing lots of other people with big, beautiful blooms. What? What did I do wrong?
2: Basically, probably the timing-wise, because usually viburnums bloom a little bit sooner than this. They should be starting to set fruit, you know, now. Okay. So, what variety you have? You know, it may be a summer or a spring bloomer. So when you pruned it, you pruned off the flower buds.
4: Okay. So this season, what should I do with it for the fall? Just let it.
2: Just leave it alone. Don't do any pruning.
4: Don't do any pruning. And one right. other quick question for you. Gnats in the house that we brought in with a new plant. <laughs> what do you suggest? I've been put, dropping a little bit of hydrogen peroxide in the, the plant base, but the plant still has gnats.
2: Right. So you've got a fungus gnat. Go to your favorite garden center and see what they have for fungus gnats
4: fungus and that right and this is an fyi my moonflower has not bloomed either
2: (laughs) those stupid moonflowers
4: i know it was my first time doing it too so i'm like yuck just pull it
2: well i mean the foliage looks great doesn't it the leaves are huge but yeah yeah. leaves
4: have been huge but nothing came up no no flowers
2: at all right so you're just gonna have to be a little bit patient i know they take up to 90 days but it seems like this, I guess because it's been so hot and everything else. And when I've got you know them planted right next to hyacinth bean vines, and they've yeah, been flowering for, for over a month, it's like, right. come on, guys. So.
4: Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time this morning. Well,
2: thank you. Shoresh also lives in Wildwood. Sharesh, how are Hello. you today?
5: Pretty good. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I just have a two questions. I have a sprinkler system. And I see that my neighbor has all the trees and the roots are going all over the places. The guy came down and uh, sprinkled system, he said, you know, you have to cut the uh, roots, otherwise it's going to damage maybe uh, your sprinkler system, or, you know, pipes, you know. What should I do on that, you know? How do I to cut the roots? Some of them are very small. Some of them are a little bit bigger.
2: Boy, so I'll tell what you.
5: Tools I should have used it.
2: Yeah, I would say, I don't advise cutting. And are these trees yours or your neighbors? Neighbors. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, you could cause them some real grief by cutting the roots.
5: But if I don't, then it will damage my well, the, system.
2: Well, that guy's really kind of speculating, to be honest. Because there are yeah. areas that where there's irrigation systems, in, like in the woodland garden at the botanical garden where I used to work, we uh-huh. had an irrigation system in there, and that's a, was a forest and I never saw any damage due to tree roots, to be honest with you. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm saying it's he's making you a little bit more paranoid than you need to be
5: it's Just he wants to make money maybe
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are probably okay, so right it's
5: not, not going to cause any problems, you know generally not I mean
0: shows,
5: you know they have a really nice, beautiful trees right. That, you know, but I don't want to cause it. I know they cut it when, uh, when the guy came down and installed my sprinkler system. And, you know, they had to cut it. Right. They have no choice, you know, because that's the only way they can put the pipes. Sure. But, but then I think, you know, I'm just wondering, wondering, I said, roofs are going all over places, maybe cause a problem. But well, as you said, you know.
2: Yeah. I, I say, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes, sort of.
5: Okay. Okay. Sounds good.
2: Thank you, Mike. Thanks yep. for having me, sir. Thank well, you. Well, thanks for having And now let's go to, wow, south to Perryville and to May's yard. Hi, May. Nope. <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We have something wrong with the computer. Back after these
1: messages. The 100th PGA Championship is underway at Bell Reef. Stay tuned to KMOX for player interviews, leaderboard updates, traffic and weather information. And when the tournament wraps up on Sunday, we host a PGA Championship Sunday show. Sponsored by Mercy, the official medical service provider of the 100th PGA. Lion's Choice, Overhead Door Company of St. Louis, and National Car Rental. On the official PGA Championship information station, KMOX and KMOX.com. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Back to Perryville and into May's yard. Hi, May.
6: Hi. I just want to say I enjoy your program. I learn something new all the time. Well, thank you. I also enjoy your articles in the Missouri Gardener. Uh, especially that one where you listed the uh, summer blooming bulbs. Ah. Give me some ideas for next year. Great. My question. Uh, early this spring, I ordered from a seed catalog uh, a hardy hibiscus plant. Mm-hmm. I put it out. It stayed in the ground for two months before it showed any green, and now it's growing like crazy. It bloomed beautifully, and now it... it it set on some more buds, which surprised me. And I was wondering, it seems to me I heard earlier that uh, you should not fertilize newly planted uh, plants. So I was wondering if I should go ahead and fertilize it.
2: I probably wouldn't this late in the season. So I would just leave it alone. Next year, as soon as the foliage starts coming up, start fertilizing it and fertilize it about once a month with just an all-purpose food.
6: Oh, uh, I... Last year, I talked to the man in our garden center, and he said to fertilize my hibiscus plants, because I have some other ones, uh, with 0012, which I did last year and this spring.
2: Well, I mean, you're you're not getting any nitrogen to them. You're not getting any, you know, phosphorus. You're just getting them potassium. So if that's his recommendation I'm not saying that's wrong I, I don't necessarily want to use something that's a balanced fertilizer like triple twelve but you know nothing wrong with getting a little nitrogen like a five ten ten or something along that line but if oh, you know if 5, you've 10, had good luck 10. with if you've had good luck with a zero zero ten or whatever it was 12 then go ahead and stay with that
6: and you also said that uh, when you fertilize other uh, blooming plants you should uh, change fertilizers from time to time. Maybe I should do that with the hibiscus?
2: I, you know, the reason why I say that is because a lot of times people get kind of in a rut. And then they finally, you know, something will happen and some of their plants will start declining. And then they get a soil test done and they find they have extravagant levels of, let's say, phosphorus or potassium or calcium or whatever it happens to be. And that could be part of, you know, kind of the problem. That's why I like to rotate, at least rotate the numbers You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a different company or anything.
6: Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Again, I really appreciate
2: your program. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And one other thing, the the gentleman that called last hour about the uh, white pine that was having all this frass all over the place, a lady called during the news, and she said it may be squirrels chewing on the pine cones is why he's getting all this frass, all this stuff chewed up. And uh, so... That's, I mean, that makes as much possible sense as anything I could come up with. So that's maybe the reality of the circumstance. So maybe making a nest, maybe making eating the pine cones. Ooh, pine cones are a little sticky this time of year. Anyway, Marge lives in far north county. Hi, Marge.
3: Hi, Mike. I have a, uh, two things. I was told that you can use regular store-bought white vinegar to kill the weeds between the cracks in the sidewalk. And I did that and it it works. Now my question is, can I use that white vinegar on the weeds in my flower beds or my grass or around my shrubs or am I going to kill everything?
2: Well, you potentially it's going to kill anything that's, you know, that it comes in contact with. I see. So that's kind of where the the bad side is cracks in your sidewalk there's concrete on both sides so you're just killing the stuff that you're putting it right onto now there is horticultural vinegars and things like that but uh, it's still going to do the same thing it's not going to be specific to only you know kill certain types of plants it's kind of a universal
3: i see well thank you much you saved me from killing my whole yard
2: (laughs) (laughs)
7: thanks mike
2: certainly and now let's go to jerseyville illinois into bob's yard hi bob
1: Morning, Mike. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, question. Uh, I when I overseed, I usually
8: core uh, core aerate the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I put down the grass seed. And last year, I got the bright idea of pulling a piece of chain link fence over it to kind of break up the clods. Uh, right or wrong, if I want to add. Co-
2: Yeah, Bob. So if you wanted to add compost, uh, that might be your question. Sorry, you know, something dropped. And uh, basically, you can put the compost down. You don't have to worry about those little, you know, let's say, wine bottle cork size things because they're going to dissolve on their own. But you can put the, you know, rate, you can put the seed down, and then you can put the compost on top of it. The compost will help just kind of insulate it from all the crazy weather stuff. So that's what you could do. Now let's go to ron ron how are you today
7: well i'm, I'm pretty good and uh, i was listening to the news and heard that glyphosate which is in that roundup herbicide right is, uh, had a big lawsuit and uh, <clears throat> i work with students and the global garden projects uh so you have a project called know what's in it dot org and they focused a bit on glyphosate but uh now we're hearing that we the problem goes way way back and that the uh, company didn't make a mention of the fact that uh... the substance is bioaccumulating humans and that's what's got kind of got the students kind of like want to know why now at the project know what's in the title. it's not a blame game so they never mentioned the manufacturer sure that's still you know they talk about the substance so i'm wondering now <clears throat> How many people will continue to use it and and what effects slight use has? Because I know that they use them around our schools, and but they cut that back. And now uh, I think that they're in the northern uh, area of the San Francisco Bay area, which I'm at, which is uh, Hamilton Field. They stopped using it completely around city properties. So what what is it in, in your area and your, your listeners? Uh, will they still use the product or... What, what are the concerns for human health
2: there? Well, basically, you just don't know. I have been using Roundup glyphosate for a long time. I started using it back in the late 70s when I started at the Botanical Garden in here in St. Louis. And I have used it. Most of the staff used it back then. I've used it pretty much consistently. Now, I don't, you know, I'm not wild with it. I don't use a whole lot of it or anything else. But I, you know, so... And I'm not saying I don't have problems. You know, I have wild curly hair and I have a few other problems, but I don't think that's related to Roundup. (laughs) But in essence, you know, it's just, I mean, there's, let's say, yes, there are circumstances with, you know, with this that has caused people problems. There's no getting around it. But how many people have used it that haven't gotten those problems? So I'm not, you know, my curiosity factor says, are the people that are impacted by this You know, are they more prone to a certain circumstance that glyphosate actually has in it or whatever? So that's kind of would be my opinion on it.
7: Well, let let me ask a question, then. That's kind of probably relates more to the the, the strength of the immune system of the individual. Right. But the question would be is that because now it's put out that it's bioaccumulative, that means you might not see the effects like smoking a cigarette for 10 or 50 years. So there is probably a, a, a public interest that should be focused on is simply body storing of the chemical till it builds up I to a cancer-causer.
2: Right. That very well could be the case. I mean, there has been chemicals that were used for a long time that were finally taken off. So maybe sometime, you know, Roundup, you know, glyphosate will be, you know, taken away. So thanks, Ron, for calling. I pr- appreciate your, uh, you know, insight. He was listening on camworks.com. Wow. From San Francisco, no less. So, Megan, are you ready? <laughs> Mike Miller, KMWOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, back to the phones we go, and we're going into Greg's yard. Greg lives in St. Louis. Hi, Greg. Hello, Greg. Greg. Nope. Sorry, Greg. And uh, let's go to Dennis in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hi, Dennis.
8: Hi there, Mike. I'm uh, sorry you got involved in the politics of glyphosate. <laughs> right. But the trick uh, the trick of that stuff is you've got to read the label.
2: Absolutely. If you
8: read the label, and it doesn't matter what chemical you use, even something that doesn't even have an MSDS sheet, like a wonderful Bonide product called StopRite, read the label. Right. And then you're not going to have the problems. And it includes uh, what to do during wind, how to set your nozzle rate, whole nine yards so if whoever's you know got their something in the wad about glyphosate just read
2: the label right and that's with anything it, but absolutely that's great insight
8: okay now a real question uh what do you do for um squash vine um bores?
2: uh basically you're gonna have to use like a you know a product that's you know one that's going to be like neem or something along that line, or insecticidal soap, and it's going to take you know a contact killer. So these are contact killers, so you're going to have to kind of watch it and then spray right onto them as you see the insect there. Once they're in there, there's not too much you can do.
8: Yeah, um, can you uh, like when we're because we put out um, about an acre or so Ooh. of um, of a uh, Hubbard squash and what it's. Essentially, it's pig feed. <laughs> we grow them, and then we release the hogs into the field. And wow. Um, and that being said, would diazinon in the ground with the seed, would that help and uh, whatnot? Because, like I said, read the label on diazinon, and it's, 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 uh, it's not reactive. I don't know. It's like 30 days or something.
2: Right. It probably is not going to do all that much good, but you could try it and see what you think and then kind of go from that. So, in other words, you're going to have to be an experimental farm.
8: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, I'll call you back in November and let you know how I went.
2: All right. Great. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Yep. And thanks for the insight on reading the label. I mean, I emphasize that, emphasize it, emphasize it, because if you don't do that regardless of what you're eating, drinking, or anything else or breathing, it could have a bad impact on you. So let's go out to Chesterfield into Harold's yard. Hi, Harold. Harold, are you there? So, uh, this is
6: Rose in Chesterfield. But we, uh, I
3: wanted to ask you about this flower that just blooms in the spring for two weeks. And it has a pink blossom on it. What's that
2: called? Is, is that a bulb? Can you buy those? Uh, a flower that blooms in the springtime that only blooms for two weeks. Is that what your question was?
6: It's blooming right now, but it only blooms.
2: Oh, okay. Basically, what it's called is a surprise lily. The botanical name is Lycoris, L-Y-C-O-R-I-S. It is a bulb. You plant the bulb in the fall. Then in the springtime, the leaves will come up. The leaves are kind of like amaryllis leaves. And then those leaves will die down when it starts getting hot. So then you almost forget it's there. And then, you know, in August, send up this stalk, which will have those trumpet-shaped pink flowers on it. So it's surprise lily or Lycoris is the botanical name.
6: Thank you very much. Certainly. And the storm yesterday was really tough on them. That
2: pretty- <laughs> yeah, it was. And now let's go to St. Charles. Diane, how are you?
3: Oh, it's fine, thank you. I want to tell you I enjoy listening to your show for years here, so thank you so much for your service. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I have a question. I'm um, going to be moving probably in the fall here sometime. And can I dig up some of my lilies of the valley and some of my hostas and Columbine and what else did I have here? Oh, butterfly bush, a
2: small little, little thing
3: uh, and put them in pots now and then when I do move, put them into the ground at the new place.
2: Yes, but Would make sure where, you know, that sounds perfect as far as, you know, up to that point, but just make sure where you're going to plant them in your new, you know, the new location, mm-hmm. the soil is prepared ahead of time before you stick them into the ground.
3: Okay, so keep them in the pots there for a little bit until I get the ground good and, and yeah. ready and then, and then do that.
2: Because if you okay. don't, you could just have been wasting all your energy and time and everything else.
3: Yeah. All right. I will do that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the show. Well, thank thank
2: you. you. And also for anybody that wants to dig and transplant anything, you know, within their own landscape, just make sure the night before you're going to do the digging or dividing or anything that you water the plants really, really well. That's not to say there's not going to be root hairs that are torn off and everything else. This is just to make it so you can get as much of the root mass as you possibly can. With a columbine, there's not going to be a whole lot of root system, but with hosta, there is a huge amount of root system. So, and with a butterfly bush, just, uh, you know, you don't want it. And when you put them in pots, you if you can mix in some potting mix with the existing soil so you're not going to pull them out, and wash all the soil off the root systems and stick them in the pot, but just, you know, mix in something so the pots are full so you don't have any kind of air gap in those pots so you don't have a lot dehydration of the root system while they're sitting around waiting to be planted. And all of them, even if they're sun-oriented, make sure that you don't have them in the direct sun all day long every day because it could cause some real damage. So thanks, Diane. Now let's go to Linda in Lake St. Louis. Hi, Linda.
6: Hello. Hi. Uh, I wanted to ask a question this morning. I have to get rid of my uh, knockout roses because they are 13 years old and they— didn't do well this year. Uh, I'm going to put in some butterfly bushes in that out those places and I would like to know if I go and buy the butterfly bushes right now while they're on sale, where and how can I keep them until I can get them planted at the end of August?
2: Uh, basically, you can put, probably put them in the ground as soon as the spots are ready. So as soon as you get your roses dug out you can, you can wait till the end of August if you want to, but you don't really have to. So what you need to do is just keep them watered if you're going to leave them in the pot for another week or two. And, you know, don't put them in direct sun all day long every day. Even though butterfly bushes like sun all day long every day, when they're in pots, it could be a little rough on them. So just watch out for that. And probably every, you know, just go out there and check them every couple days. And once you start, you know, start the ones in pots, once you start to see the inside potting mix, whatever it's growing in, create a, and there's a gap between the inside of the pot and the potting mix, then you should water them. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you very much for your information. Well, sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Mary and Florissant. Hi, Mary.
3: Hi, Mike. I enjoy your show a lot. And I uh, have a question about my tomatoes. In my backyard, I just put a few plants in every year around the end of May. But I've got tomatoes on the vines, and I fight the squirrels to keep them from robbing me of those tomatoes, but they aren't getting ripe. They just They're just on the vine and green. And I was wondering... If you have any ideas what's going on with them never ripening.
2: Yeah, I think it's weather-related because there's been several callers that's had the same circumstance. It may be variety-wise, you know, weather-wise and everything else. So even though the plants are healthy, there's, you know, something related to it has to be weather because I'm assuming you're fertilizing, the plants, lo- like, look good and everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're,
3: they're tall and and, you know, <laughs> they look just fabulous. Right. And the the squirrels think that I've planted them for them. But. Of course.
2: <laughs> I guess you're going to have to just start enjoying fried green tomatoes.
3: <laughs> good idea. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks a lot.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, healthy plants, if you're not getting good production out of them, that's the only thing that could be causing that would be the weather. And you say, well, I'm watering and everything else. Sometimes that doesn't make all that much difference. The plants are freaked out. But anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments? We still got about uh, oh, 10 minutes or so. 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. White Grubs, yes. They're up near the surface right now and if you have a bluegrass lawn, they could be doing some damage. There's five different grubs in our soils. Really, only one of them does damage to lawn, let's say, lawn root systems that cause bluegrass basically to go downhill really quickly. But putting a grab you know a grub killer down now may be to your advantage, especially if you have bluegrass lawn. Because what they're going to do is they're going to stay near the surface while it's, you know the soil is still warm and everything else. Then they're going to start migrating down. And once they start migrating, the, you know, the GrubX or whatever product you do for a grub killer you know, loses its effectiveness as the deeper down into the soil it goes. And realize, too, that just because you have grubs – or you have moles, you know, by killing the grubs doesn't mean your moles are going to go away because, again, I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over, and I have been for 20-plus years, earthworms are the main food for grub For grubs, yeah, main food for grubs. No, for moles. So, and then the real, you know, damage can possibly come. Moles will abandon certain tunnels if they've eaten all the earthworms in that particular area. And then a vole, which is another type of mammal, rodent type thing, it can use the old mole tunnels that have been abandoned and then that animal eats root systems of all kinds of plants. So not just, you know, lawn or anything else. So trees, shrubs, all that other stuff can be damaged by voles that use old mole tunnels. Jim lives in St. Louis. Hi Jim, how are you? I'm fine. Welcome to my show. Well, thank you. <laughs>
9: I have Dichondra, and I've been treating it from all the local lawn places, say, you know, use this type of lawn killer, and I still have it. I've resorted to pulling it out by the roots about five feet a day for the last week, and I still have a lot of it. Suggestion?
2: Uh, Do you have solid patches of it, or is it mixed in with all kinds of other stuff?
9: You know, it, it seems to be more predominant in 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 certain areas, and it's sporadic in others. In some places, it's not there at all.
2: Right. So I would say the areas that it's really concentrated, I'd go after it with, you know, a good just, you know, like a, if you don't want to use Roundup, just a good grass killer and get but rid of it.
9: It's in my grass. It's in my lawn.
2: <laughs> oh, it is. So it is mixed in, so it's not just a solid, you know, area of it. No,
9: it's in my lawn, and I have a very nice lawn, except for the Dichondra.
2: Right. So basically, you know, so you've tried the Weeby Gons and all that other stuff too, right?
9: Yeah, I went to the local place, and he said, and I looked at the label, I said, I'm using this, it doesn't, and it says to only use it like twice a year. Right. But I've been doing it, you know, more than that, trying to get rid of it, but it's not affecting it at all.
2: Basically, next year, you know, get as much as you can, you know, until you get sick of just pulling it. But next year, <laughs> earlier in the season, you know, keep an eye out for it. As soon as you see it, start putting the herbicides down at that time. And, and how often can I do it? Uh, again, read the label. Certain products read are going to... label. Yeah, you <laughs> got to do that because all of them are slightly different.
9: Okay, yeah, and I was a little concerned after five days of pulling this stuff. Um, that I was wondering if it was like, a, like a sedge grass that you know I pull it out, but the seeds sprinkle down on the ground. So I'm not wasting my time by pulling it out by hand.
2: No, you're not. And basically, it's not quite the same thing as the nutgrass or nut sedge. So yeah, get as much of it out of there as you possibly can because it's producing all kinds of seeds and everything else. And if you don't, if you just leave it, then you're just going to have a prolific amount of seeds then this whole nightmare is just going to keep going and going and going and going.
9: Well, well good, because after, you know, day five of yanking this stuff out by hand, I mean, my back's a lot stronger because of it. <laughs> but I'm wondering, am I wasting my time? Is this? Am I just, just spreading the seeds all over the no, place? No, you're not
2: I'm spreading gonna... the seeds, but you, you, you're you really, because they could keep producing seeds for another, you know, the plants that you're pulling out of producing seeds for who knows how much longer until the weather tells it to shut down.
9: Okay. Now, is, does it completely die out after, uh, during the winter?
2: Yes, it does. That's good to
9: know. <laughs> okay. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to continue to pull this stuff by hand, and uh, when I'm done with my entire yard, which is considerable, then I, I could start from there, and, and uh, at least I know I'm not wasting my time. Thank you very
2: much. Yep. Good luck with that, and now let's go back to Wildwood. We've probably had more calls from there than any other place, and Larry lives in Wildwood. Hi, Larry.
10: Hello. Uh, my question is, something in the yard is uh, digging small trenches. They're not really holes. They're just uh, scraping away the surface down a few inches. And it looks like just a small trench. And uh, I'm wondering if you might know what would be doing that.
2: Uh, it sounds like what is, this is, is uh, skunks.
9: Oh, okay. I
2: skunks come they... in your yard. They're going after grubs. They know they're up near the surface, so they'll rut along, and then if as they come across a grub, then they're going to eat that grub. But they do this rutting, and that's probably exactly what uh, you've described.
10: Okay. W- w- would armadillos do that kind of thing as well?
2: Uh, armadillos may, but I know skunks do. I've not seen damage from armadillos, but uh, that could certainly be the case. Why? Do you have armadillos in your yard?
10: No, I haven't noticed any, but I've noticed them in the area
2: now. Right. Yeah, I've started to see them. Mainly I've seen them like sort of killed on the highways, but uh
10: Yeah, I I've, I've started to see a couple of live ones, which disappoints me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the armadillos and the bears are coming. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true and in Wildwood you got deer probably.
10: That's right. That's right. Well, we yeah, I'm used to that. Right. Well, thank you thank you very much
8: for your help.
2: Certainly. If one other person has a call, you know, wants to get in here real quick, we can try to get you in, uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And, uh, you know, there's other things just to kind of keep your eyes out for. If you buy mums from the garden centers and they're in buds, you know, or they're really starting to flower, uh, even in flower, just realize that sometimes they cannot acclimate Even if you put them directly into the ground right after you buy them, they don't get the root system established enough to be able to make it through our winter times. So, kind of consider it lucky if they do survive and come back next year, but don't you know? Don't necessarily plan on it. Sheila lives in Brighton, Illinois. Hi, Sheila. Yep. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, Sheila, there. Hey, Sheila. How are you?
4: Fine. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, my question is, I I was wondering if it was too late to mow strawberries.
2: No, get it done as soon as possible.
4: Okay, and should I, like, leave them, like, three inches high, or can I, like, scalp them? Before?
2: No, don't scalp them. Don't do that.
4: Okay, and also, is it too late to fertilize your tomato plants? your flowers, like with
3: miracle Grow or anything like
2: that? Well, with annuals, you know, flowering annuals, definitely not. You can fertilize them for, you know, this, you know, now and another couple weeks from now. After that, it might be too late to, you know, vegetables and things like that. Uh, I don't know if I'd bother doing that.
4: Okay. And also, is it too early to mow over asparagus?
2: Yes. I would say let it go until it starts, you know, shooting the sprays out. And then at that time, that's when you would do it.
3: Gotcha.
2: All right. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, thanks, Sheila, and thanks for being in the last caller today. Thanks to everybody for calling in today. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMWAR's Garden Hotline. I'm assuming I will see you next week. So have a great day.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.